coming up next on the health hustle make something every day even if it's terrible especially if it's terrible <laughs> just get in front of the camera and don't make something where you just get into the in front of the camera and say happy monday and post it put some thought into it but maybe dedicate 30 minutes if you only have 10 minutes one day 10 minutes whatever it is make something meaningful every day even if it's garbage Hey folks, and welcome to the Health Hustle of Austin, Texas. On this show, we uncover the big ideas from your fellow health and fitness entrepreneurs in the Austin, Texas area about how they built their business and the lessons they learned along the way. Hey y'all, Corey here. I had the opportunity to bring on my buddy, Eirik Wiggins, who is arguably one of the most impressive content creators that I've ever had on the show. He just hit over a million subscribers on Instagram and has 1.7 million followers just overall on all platforms and continues to grow. Some of the things that we get into on this episode are what it was like growing up as a chubby kid, why you should lean into your mistakes, listening to your audience and getting feedback, building momentum, the power of identity, solidifying your habits, making money from creating content, which I was very interested in figuring that one out, moving to Austin, Texas, how to create better content, and what greatness actually means. One last thing, if you're a health or fitness professional and you're having difficulties getting leads, one of the most common reasons that I see this is not having a well-defined niche. If you go to the link in the description, I have a free three-step process that walks you through exactly how to get clarity on which niche is best suited for you and your business. Without further ado, let's go. Hi, Rick. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited about this because you went from driving Grubhub to now being a full-time co content creator and... We're going to get into how in the world something like that actually happens. But before we get into that, where I want to start actually is growing up in Ohio and being the kid that just wanted to make other people laugh. What was yeah. it about that? That just like, was it because you were teased or why was it that you wanted to make other people laugh? So it kind of ties into my content where I make a lot of content to help people lose weight. I was always the chubby kid. So I was never obese where you just kind of embrace it. And that's like just your identity. But I was also never fit or athletic. So I was like in the middle. And uh, and yeah, it was kind of like, I looked exactly like Beans from Even Stevens. <laughs> so people called me Beans. And that in itself kind of became a self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like, all right, well, this is what they call me. I'm already kind of goofy. Let me just lean into it. So... That was something where it was kind of thrusted upon me to, to make people laugh because I just felt like this is how people view me anyway, so let's just go with it. Yeah, just own it in a lot of ways. I don't know if you, you I don't expect that you did, but I literally just posted about that like two days ago, how I grew up as a fat kid, mm. which is so funny. But the association that I use is actually uh, Chunk from the Goonies. I looked just like Chunk from the Goonies, the whole like truffle shuffle thing and everything. Yeah. So I can relate to that as a lot. What was your favorite fat kid food? My favorite food growing up, believe it or not, was kid cuisines. It was back when they had the pudding, the chicken nuggets, and the mac and cheese all in one tray. And I would get crazy and I would dip the chicken nuggets in the chocolate pudding it sounds crazy, but it's like if you've ever seen people dip Wendy's fries in a Frosty, it kind of has that vibe. Interesting. So that was probably my most memorable food 
Other than the obvious, like, Pop-Tarts for breakfast. Sure. Yeah. Pizza rolls, always a top contender. Mac and cheese. Yes. A lot of the classics. So I know you also have a proclivity to pushing people's buttons. And so I'd be kind of curious as to, like, why do you say that and what is it about you? Because, like, just in the brief time that I've known you, you seem like a really nice guy. So, like, what is it about pushing people's (laughs) buttons that you enjoy? So it's not necessarily pushing people's buttons as it is. Have you ever seen the show Nathan for You? No. So it's this guy who, it's kind of like Impractical Jokers. Have you ever heard of that? So it's kind of like that where he keeps a straight face. He gives business advice, but it's like just total satire. Mm. And I've always thought that was so funny to kind of mess with people, but keep a straight face while doing it. Mm -hmm. So it's like when I was a kid... It would just be saying some totally off the wall thing to get a reaction. Yeah. And then as a content creator, it evolved into totally accidental. I I mispronounced. It was some sauce of like some other culture. And then I started getting attacked for it. And it wasn't from the people of that culture. You know, it was like super woke American people who are like, you're doing a disservice to this culture. Yeah. It's not sauna, it's swana or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Th- those people who were of that culture would message me and say, Hey, we think it's funny. Right. So I just leaned into that. And now I like, when I make videos, I'll mispronounce words on purpose just because I think the reaction is so funny. Whereas if it's actually offending and like hurting somebody, yeah, I'm not going to get joy in that. But just to like rile people up a little, mm-hmm. I've always thought was super funny. I think it's a really good mentality to have around that, especially as somebody that's a content creator, is to just be more playful with it. But don't you, wouldn't you think that like more people would, it would actually bug them, right? When they make a mistake or they say something wrong or even they spell something wrong in their caption, I would think most people, it would bug them, right? Like the, the nagging or the angry, hateful messages would probably bug them. Why does it not bug you? Like what, do you just something unique about you that it just doesn't rub you the wrong way or what it's probably something i could dive into in therapy and figure out (laughs) where that's what we're doing right here man (laughs) exactly it's like uh it's kind of just one of those attention seeking things where i really enjoy being a content creator because i get a sense of validation when a piece of content goes viral Mm. so whether that's healthy or not The fact that I use that to build a house and put my daughter in it feels great. Yeah. So it's like that kind of attention seeking. I'm not sure where it comes from. Mm. I think it, it definitely is, has its unhealthy components, but it's also beneficial in the world we live in today. Totally. So it's about just, I think the theme here is just, you know, embracing things and, even if it's viewed as negative, you know, flipping it into a positive. There's a lot to be made out of your shortcomings or personality flaws. There's, it's such the most cliche statement of literally of all time, but just the aspect of authenticity, right? Is like, I think that's probably so much of what it is, is that, yeah, you make mistakes on the internet, which in return is like, that's the best way to get engagement is yeah. like people love to call you out about your mistakes. Cause we're all just kind of perfectionists at heart. And so it's like, Oh, you made a mistake. haha! Like, look at that, which in return is actually a benefit to any sort of content creator, which I think carries over very nicely. Just that aspect of document don't create. 
Yeah. Right. I think there's the documenting piece of it is just like, this is real life. And like, whether you think it's cool or not is irrelevant in so many ways. Yeah. I mean, to touch on that, the reason I sell so many books is not because of my reels that get a million plays. It's because of the live streams I do where I'm in the kitchen as someone who really doesn't enjoy cooking. So if I'm going to get on camera and make a video, it's got to be easy to make. That's the first criteria. And my audience watches me cook these things and I'm scrambling around the kitchen. I'm messing up. I'm cooking the, the sauce too much and it starts to reduce too much. And my audience is like, it's almost like a game show where they're like, do this, do this. And the reason that works so well is the authenticity you're talking about. But also it's just so relatable. Mm. You know, people, if Gordon Ramsay releases a cookbook, it's obviously going to sell tons of copies. But he's more selling it to people who enjoy cooking, who are good at cooking. I'm selling cookbooks to people who are like, I want to eat healthy, but I just, I'm not some chef who like, enjoys buying 47 ingredients so it it kind of works to my advantage the fact that yeah it's just another example of you know a shortcoming being made into a positive you know what i hate about cooking which is why i'm also on the same wavelength as you right now is that i hate buying ingredients that i use once and then they sit on the shelf or in the refrigerator for the next 17 years because (sighs) you only had one recipe for it dude pet peeve I have a pantry full of ingredients like that because I do go out of my way to make one big dessert, like keto friendly dessert with stevia or something. I try to do that once a week and it usually calls for some weird ingredient that I have to go to Trader Joe's or Whole Foods to find. And I just have a whole row of these baking ingredients that I rarely use. And then by the time I use them again, they're expired and yeah, it's just... I think it's my minimalist nature. I'm a total minimalist in every way, shape, or form. Anybody who knows me actually probably makes fun of me for it, too. It's like it's so bad that I literally own almost nothing. But I think it goes hand in hand even with how I cook and eat. Mm-hmm. Is It's like the most basic. Like I think the only spices at this point I probably use is like salt and pepper. Yeah. Anything more than that, I'm like, not nah, like I, unless I'm going to be using it on a daily basis, I just don't gravitate towards it. So Yeah, I think minimalism is big for me, too. I have such a chaotic mind that I need the world around me to be like in its place. And we have a nine month old. Mm -hmm. So that kind of makes it harder or at least is an opportunity to adapt. And uh, yeah, it's minimalism is huge, I think, for getting things done in life. Mm -hmm. Because when you have so many options and so many things to think about, you just spend all day thinking. And it's like, let me just get to what's important. I think it goes really hand in hand too with a lot of even what you talk about in your book of just like the tiny habits and the tiny behavior behaviors and like the mini steps is I think it goes hand in hand with that is like when there's too much complexity, we don't actually get anything done. But if you can mm. ba- bring it da- back to like its base level, now we can actually take those baby steps and start moving towards whatever it is that we're moving towards, which I think is like a lot of honesty is some of the deeper lessons and some of the stuff you talk about is like, yeah, it's about keto and cooking and easy recipes. But I think that there's a little bit more to it that maybe people don't pick up. Yeah, I think so. To talk about baby steps, it's one of those things where I read this book called Atomic Habits. Mm-hmm. I'm sure most I'm sure most James of Clear. your listeners yeah. have read that. So Atomic Habits, it, it just talks about 
breaking down things into the smallest step possible and then building momentum off of that and it changes your identity and then you're successful and that approach is so good at getting someone who's at the lowest point in their life to totally turning it around I've seen it so many times that I get these messages of people who are like you told us not to do what you're doing but to do what is realistic for us to do and then take it a little step further and then another step further and I just see that over and over again where you just start with like what is the smallest step I could take and sometimes that means going to McDonald's and getting the Big Mac and getting the fries but not getting the coke getting a water and it seems like to us people who are so far along on our health journey it's like you're still eating a Big Mac and fries but but they feel good about that. Like when they go to bed that night, they're like, that was a win. So, and when you do that week after week after week and you just eliminate one bad thing or you add one good thing, it just, your life will look totally different in a year or two years. There's so many things I want to pull from that. Yes, Atomic Habits, James Clear, love it. That's actually one of the few newsletters, as mine as well, that I subscribe to. Um, but have you read Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg? You know what's funny? I actually find Tiny Habits to be more digestible hmm. than Atomic Habits. I listen to audiobooks. So when I listened to the Atomic Habits audiobook, I got a little more lost. But I know that's the more popular one that everyone's probably read. But I do find that Tiny Habits is actually a little more... I don't know what it was about it. Maybe it was the... Maybe it was just the narrator of the audiobook. But I found that one to be more digestible for me. So, yeah, I think that's a great one. Yeah, because like what I wanted to pull out of that is honestly a quote that I cannot get out of my brain. And I've said it many times if anyone's ever talked to me or listened to the show. And it's that he says, you change best by feeling good, not by feeling bad. Mm. And I think about it all the time. Even when I was digging into a lot of researching my guests, as I always do about you and finding the aspect of like you talk a lot about that degree of doing the little things that you so that you feel good about it versus like shaming yourself for not doing the bigger things mm -hmm. and being able to take a few steps backwards so that you can take 10 steps forward i know you talk a lot about that but i think that quote resonates with that in so many ways is that we change best by feeling good not by feeling bad and essentially what that means is that set the goal or the baby step so micro tiny small so that you almost guarantee yourself a win like exactly what you said of like yeah go get the big mac and the fries but then just don't get the coke that's the goal it's just so tiny that it's like yeah you could definitely do that because then when you start feeling good about it now you're more likely to do it versus when we feel bad about something now you just like want to quit and give up because we're total perfectionists at heart yeah exactly what's it so what's the story where you have applied that in your life Oh, okay. I love the throwback. Um, so flossing was a good example is like, I think that's a common one, right? Me it's too. like, yeah, starting with like one tooth mm -hmm. and just having a victory around that one. Um, a lot, they, they've always shown up in like health, which is, I find really interesting because I feel like health goals are the most tangible for people, right? Is like, if you want to get good at doing pull-ups, start with one pull-up. You want to get good at doing push-ups, do one push-up or... Um, the ones that I find more interesting though, which is something that exactly to this conversation of being a content creator, I think that one has been an interesting hurdle for me is like, so it, for me, it was creating one piece of content every single day. And now it's been like, I don't know, two years now at this point of like putting out at least one piece of content every single day. That one was admittedly tough. 
Um, honestly, like if I was to recommend that to somebody else, it would maybe be like once a week. Cause like every day that's kind of daunting. Yeah. Like it's not easy. <laughs> Cause there's been days where I was like up until like 1150 PM <laughs> at night. And I'm like, I have to get something out and I just like publish some trash. But it was like, I just, I have to keep that habit going. I think the, those are the most important days though. Yeah. It's like, there's another quote I saw where the best workout is actually your, sorry, the worst workout is sometimes your best workout because it's the one that solidified the habit. So it's like back in the day before I was keto snacks and I wanted to be a rapper, every song I made, which we're going to get into. Yeah. Every song (laughs) I made was garbage, but some of them were less garbage than others. And on the days where I really didn't feel like doing it and I didn't feel like making a song, I would just literally go up, open my Logic Pro X and I would just record like gibberish or garbage or whatever it was and just make it three minutes and say, okay, there's my song. And the next day it's like, all right, I didn't break my streak. I actually had a whole whiteboard where it was like 500 days. Hmm. I just all right, I wrote down the song title and seeing it written down like that and 500 days of progress, that does so much for your identity. Totally. It's it's insane. Which I'm glad you said that word. That's the second time I've heard you say that. And I wanted to ping you on this because like, again, when I was looking at a lot of your stuff, I always come back to that aspect of identity because identity drives behavior, right? And so like there's so many degrees of when you check the boxes of doing those certain things from like rapping to content creating to creating recipes is like you start to build this identity. I'd be curious for you is like what were maybe some of your earlier identities in terms of like I think the rapping one is hilarious, but any other maybe earlier identities you have and like some of the shifts that happened eventually to kind of where you are now to more of a content creator. So we kind of talked about being the goofy kid, like beans, that, that was a huge identity. And you mentioned the kid from the Goonies. That was also an image that popped into my head when I was telling that story was like kind of like that, if you don't know who beans is, but uh, that was a big identity for me. And I think transitioning into a rapper was more of a, all right, I've been this goofy kid my whole life. Let me be do something serious. But it had to be creative. And I just, I, I was never good at like drawing or graphic design. So I really liked rap music. And I was like, let me just do this. So that was my identity for a while. And maybe in between or like before Beans when I was super young, I think like third, fourth grade, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. And, uh, that was huge. It was like that aspect of, I don't know where it came from, but just believing I could be anything has always made my life so much more fun. And Mm. I think that's responsible for how it's worked out the way it has. Those are really interesting goals. So wrestler, rapper, I know you did some writing as well. Did you want to be a writer as well? So I do write books. Um, my two cookbooks also have like probably 80 pages of written material in them. So uh, that is something that I do. I write books, but it's more of an extension of my content creation. So 
tell me more about college then, because I know we briefly touched before recording about there's this intramural time of like going to college and then deciding to drop out and do the rapping thing. Yeah. What kind of happened there? What was the initial interest even going to college? And then why did you decide to drop out? So I remember the first time I ever thought about what kind of career I would have. And it was in a communication class in high school. And I was like, oh, I think it would be fun to make... We watched a bunch of Super Bowl commercials. And I was like, I think being involved with that would be fun. So, And it seemed realistic because it was just, yeah, you can get a job in marketing. So I went to school for communication. And I got two years in. And had I went to some big Ivy League school, I'm sure I would have been learning about current practices and communication. But the stuff I was learning, or had I just even went on to like the a master's program or something, you probably would start learning about what's actually happening. But the things we were learning about, I was like, I I watch a YouTube video and learn more about marketing than this whole two-year education I've gotten. So I was like, what am I doing? I'm just going to you know, get my associate's degree, call it quits with college, and focus on this rap thing. And I'm assuming that didn't fully pan out, if I had to guess. Because you're not no. technically a rapper now. Correct. <laughs> but I, so to, not to get too off track, but I watched The Secret when I was 17. If you've ever heard of yep. The Secret, yeah. The Law of Attraction. It's a book too, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I got all these notebooks and I filled them with like seven Grammys by the time I'm 23. $1 billion by the time I'm 25. So I just like... There was just something off about me where I just, I watched that and it was like around the time I was in this car accident where uh, I have some scars. I could actually show you like part of them where you can see like a little of them. Oh, dang. So, so anybody that can't see showing his back of his left, basically your left tricep and back shoulder. And it goes all the way further back here too. Okay. But, uh, so I was in this car accident and all my friends came out totally fine. I was the only one who was injured. And, uh, and they were all freaking out, like what's going on, what happened. And I just like, I felt like my brain was just like reconfiguring itself. It was almost like, a some like moment in a movie where the intense music is playing. And it's like, I went from my previous identity to this person who's now got to be somebody and have a more positive outlook on life mm. because I was just so grateful that I was alive. Mm. That was kind of what was going through my head. Like, wow, I'm alive. And uh, so that big identity shift, right after that, I watched The Secret. And then I just like went full, just off the rails, like believing I could do anything. So I had all these giant goals, wanted to be a rapper. And I was just working at it every day. And it didn't pan out, but it did because that approach of the 500 days of making a song every day, that is why my content is successful because mm. it's, I have to make a video every day. Do you have any other stories about just like identity crisis like that? And like, even just to give you a moment to think about that, cause I can, I can pin back to many moments in my life of that exact thing of what you're talking about is that when there is an actual shift of identity in my life and how profoundly that changes, like every decision moving forward from like, I can think of one like when a girl broke up with me when I was like 17 and it spiraled me into depression and I had an identity crisis because like I was a boyfriend and now I'm not a boyfriend 
or like even relationship things when I went from living in Minnesota to living in Iowa and losing a lot of my friendships and like going from this like family oriented person to this solo person and like the identity shift that happened there. And so it's like one of my favorite topics is just that aspect of identity. And that's why I asked that question for you of like, if there are other interesting points in your life where like you've noticed a shift in identity and how it's changed you. So in the past few years, there have been two moving to Austin was Hmm. the second biggest one. And then the real biggest one was having my daughter last September. I'll start with Austin and then I'll get into my relationship and that was a little bit of a change. Yep. That wasn't a huge change, but that was a little bit. But then having my daughter was like, I'll go into that. So in 2020, I had been creating content for two years. I was making some money, enough to really like live at home and still buy my groceries. And I just was like... Can I pause you for a second? How were you making money through it? So, like, giveaways, stuff like that. I had a decent following. So, in 2018, I started my page. And I did my first ever giveaway that summer for 300 bucks with an electrolyte brand. And, uh, because... So, a brand wanted you to push their product and you got a kickback for it. Yes. Got it. And what happened was, when I started creating content in 2018 around the keto diet, Everybody else who was making recipes for keto or posting food content, they were sending you to their blog because that's where the money was. But I was like, nah, like, I hate that. I get so annoyed when I see a recipe and I have to click out of Instagram. Mm -hmm. I live on Instagram. I don't want to go out. So I was like, let me just put the recipe in the caption. So I did that. And I was one of the first people to do that in the keto world. And my page just took off. Mm. So... At that time, there wasn't a lot of money, especially in keto products, because it wasn't this big commercial thing where Kraft is buying Primal Kitchen and they have all this marketing budget. So at the time, there was like a few hundred bucks here and there coming my way. And then in 2019, it was like, I finally stopped driving Grubhub in 2019. And uh, because that was really how I was making money. And I made like, I think like 30 grand. And then in 2020, I was making a little more and I was like comfortable with getting out of my parents' house and going to a new city and just finding opportunities because there were no opportunities in Ohio. (laughs) So come to Austin, I found an apartment that was way out of my budget and I was like, I'm just going to make it work. Why did you decide on Austin of all places? Because Austin just seems to have enough like tech, social media uh, friendly people, but also a health community. Mm, and the, the health community in Austin was like, if I go to LA, that was my second choice. Yeah, that's where all the influencers are. But it's just, it's too big. The Is there really a health community there? It seemed like Austin, I watched the... Uh, the Aubrey Marcus podcast. Oh, yeah. And I liked a lot of what he was saying and on it was in Austin. And I was like, okay, this stuff, this seems like what I'm into. So that was one of the deciding factors was the the health movement. Totally. And, yeah. Same, same deal. I mean, just like the amount of health, fitness, wellness people in town is crazy. 
But okay, so go on. So I moved to Austin. I picked an apartment based on a picture of a the pool had a cabana. And I was like, oh, this looks luxurious. So I went there. And also because it had a kitchen island. And when you're making food videos, if you don't have a kitchen island, it's hard to get the lights on both sides. So I have these two giant box lights on each side of my island. And uh, when we were in a 600 square foot apartment, thank God we didn't have the baby yet because the whole kitchen was just occupied by lighting and camera stands. Now our house is much bigger and uh, it works. So came to Austin as soon as I moved here, my business side of content creation, like getting more brand deals, getting more engagement, um, connecting deeper to my audience, it all just started working out in a way like it had never been before. So I was like, there's something to this, like putting your back against the wall, biting off a little more than you can chew and just figuring it out. So that was like a huge identity shift where I, for the first time in my life, I felt confident Mm. and that was like just a totally different feeling. That's a game changer. How did you meet your wife? So right after I moved to Austin, she's not my wife yet. She's my fiance. Yeah. Yeah. So right after I'm right after I moved to Austin, I was like walking on the boardwalk and I saw all these couples. It was 4th of July and they weren't having the big fireworks, but it was still like fireworks around. And, uh, I saw all these couples And that was something I always wanted in my life was just a partner. Totally. And I never had one. And, uh, had you dated anybody prior to that? Not really. Wow. Okay. I I was like, you're rapping, you're busy. Yeah. I I would like (laughs) date girls like short term, but I was just so focused on becoming a rapper. Yeah. I was like, I I just, yeah. So (laughs) she messaged me. Rappers can't have girlfriends. They ain't got time for that. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so I'm live on I'm on my live stream one day right after this walk on the boardwalk where I was like, man, I just I want a girlfriend so bad. And uh, it's weird how it was the next day. And maybe the opportunities had always been there. I just wasn't looking for them. And then that day made me realize it's kind of like your reticular activating system yeah. at work. Well, it's so like what you were saying earlier about law of attraction. Yeah. I mean, you pay attention to something and then it kind of shows up. Yeah. So. I was live cooking. I think I was eating. I made some guacamole and uh, I was just like shoveling it into my mouth like I do on my on camera. And I get a comment that says, how many carbs are in? Do you have a girlfriend? (laughs) And I was like, I've never used my page for dating. I've never (laughs) thought that that would be a good idea. But here's this super creative comment and then the picture was like the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen so I was like let me just go for it and I'm as soon as I clicked on her profile after it ended I was gonna type something but she was already typing Mm. so it was like oh she's like double aggressive (laughs) so I was like cool and uh she lived in Queens all the way in New York but it just worked out where after facetiming every day for months she ended up moving here and uh to live with you to she got an apartment two buildings down from mine okay so it just was so she came to austin for you yeah damn usually it's the other way around yeah that's commitment i love that so uh but she was already looking at different cities she was she had a trip planned where she was going to go to seattle san diego and austin 
and it just happened that I was in Austin. So we were doing all this FaceTiming, and whenever she told me about that trip, I was like, why don't you look for apartments here, like with me? So uh, we had FaceTimed for two months, and then she came to visit and look at apartments, and it just worked out that this was the... She actually canceled, because she came here for a whole month, and she canceled the Seattle and San Diego part of her trip and was just like, all right, I'll do Austin. So She must like you or something. Yeah. That's crazy, man. It worked out. Yeah, that's awesome. So what was the first date then? Do you happen to remember? Was it a keto something or other? No, I shook her hand. I remember this vividly. I, I was... I was not nervous the whole time, but whenever she got outside of my apartment, all of my nerves just kicked in. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why do I feel nervous? I haven't felt nervous this whole time. So she opens, it was like nine o'clock that night. It was like, I opened the door and I shook her hand. (laughs) (laughs) My first time meeting her. Yeah. Man, your game on a scale of zero to 10 is a zero. Uh, it worked out though. Yeah. Well done. Okay. Yeah. Sugar hand. And then, uh, then what? Like you just like hung out that evening and yeah. And then she spent the night because like I said, we had been FaceTiming for months. Sure. So we were basically dating. It was just like long distance, Yeah. but she got to see how I can be awkward when I'm getting to know people. <laughs> she really loves it though. Actually. Yeah. 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 And, uh, <laughs> and then our first date, another thing. I don't know what was going through my head. I was just not good with women. I split the bill with her, which <laughs> if you're super, you know, um, of a certain community, you might think that's a good idea. I don't support that for the record. Exactly. Yeah. So I split the bill with her and I don't know what was going through my head. I just, I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think it was just like being nervous and not knowing how to court women and things like that. And the next day she was like, I don't know if I want to be with you. And, uh, ouch. Yeah. And, and we had this whole thing where I was like, Oh no, I got to turn things around. So it just made me look in the mirror and be like, what am I doing? Like, why am I, it was almost like an overthinking thing when I split the bill. Like, is she going to think this of me if I, I don't know. Like, I can't really explain that. It was just my brain short-circuited. So, uh, yeah. And then I, I made up for it. She ended up moving here. And I just, I really enjoyed it. Like, I, I had a lot of fun being in a relationship. Mm. Because she supported my content creation. Where she would, like, go buy the groceries for me. And cut the vegetables for the video I was shooting. And it became this thing where it's like, wow, I this is like a whole side of life I was missing out on. Damn dude. I love that so much. I uh, have a really good buddy in town, friend of mine, shout out to Chris Bates. And I was a previous to the relationship. And now I was in a very, very long one and I was very jaded for it from it for a long time to the point where like I didn't date it for really years. And he taught me more recently, just that aspect of one plus one equals four when you find Mm. the right relationship. And so like to find somebody like that, that's super supportive and will like get the food and cut it up and help you get ready for your other pieces of content. Like I got to imagine that feels so good. Yeah. It's crazy how the first relationship was like the one where it just went together because 
I also had kind of an anxious attachment style where, like I said, I was in this new city. I was like, didn't, I was figuring it out. I was confident in my ability to like make it or whatever. But emotionally, everyone was in Ohio. Mm. Like my family was in Ohio. So I got kind of attached a little and uh, did some therapy, worked through that, got that taken care of. But other than that, it was like, it just took my life to a whole new level because I just, it was like having the ability to create and chase my dreams and then have this like emotionally stable base to return to. So that was like very crucial for giving me the confidence to just continue going for it. I love that so much, man. I'm happy for you. That's super cool. Like I said, man, one plus one equals four. And side note too, for any of the males listening to this show right now, definitely pay for dinner. Uh, (laughs) I don't care what anybody says. And if anybody says chivalry is dead, no effing way. Like, if you can't afford to pay for dinner, you shouldn't be taking people to dinner. Like, yeah. get your life in order so that you can pay for dinner. Or right? cook for them. That too, <laughs> right? And it doesn't even have to be expensive, but, like, open the door, pay for dinner, like, be a gentleman. Anyone listening, that's just my belief. Anyways, yes. Uh, so, let's get into where you're at now today. So, so many things of your life, from WD, WD, or wrestling, WWE wrestling, to rapping, to... Uh, driving Grubhub to now today being a quote-unquote full-time content creator with books and I don't even know what you're all doing at this point now but what do things now look like and where do you see things kind of moving forward with all the stuff that you're doing so right now it's kind of at a place where I do a lot of brand deals as far as like my business side of things I, I have two books out and that is my that's like my main source of income is like book sales and brand deals. But as far as my purpose and like what I'm doing with all of it, it's really just helping the average person get their health on track. And I think if I can do that every day, if I can get like a few messages a day of someone saying this video helped me or this piece of advice helped me, that's like, that's what it's all about. So that's what I'm doing is I'm just trying to make, and it's amazing how the videos get better. Like you would think, okay, you can only make Instagram reels so good. But if I look back at them from three years ago, compared to what they look like now, it's totally different. So it's just like making the videos more consumable so that I can reach more people so that I can help more people get their health on track. And then all of the business side of things just kind of follows that. You seem like you're pretty obsessed with the content aspect of your life. Yeah. Is, is that something, is that my accurate in that assumption? Yeah. It's, it's like I wake up and I just immediately, I have, so I go on my dog's Instagram account instead of mine because my algorithm is different. It's a lot of like self-help and uh, like podcast clips and stuff. But my dog's account, I really just use to look at food videos. So I have like this whole algorithm of just food videos. So I wake up and I go on that account and I just start looking at recipe videos. And it's like, what creative ingredients could I use today that the average person has at home that someone could go make? And it's it's really hard to do that every day for years because mm-hmm. there are only so many variations of like, chicken bacon 
avocado oil and like cheese that you can combine. So I wake up, I just scroll, I scroll, I scroll, I find something and I'm like, that looks cool. And then I scroll and I'm like, oh, but what if I add pickles to it? And oh, what if I add this to it? So it's like an hour of brainstorming and just compiling ideas and trying to put them all together. And then I really get into like just shooting the content and it's amazing how it's evolved where when I first started making recipe videos, I thought I had to show every step. So they would be very boring and I've just slowly peeled away that mentality. And now it's like, how can I shoot it and cut out everything that's not necessary? So it's like, I'll, I'll be like, well, people don't need to see me patting the salmon dry because they know to do that. So it's like, it's a lot of thinking of like, what video idea is most creative? And then how can I shoot this in a way that keeps people watching it? Because if there's like a, a millisecond of it being boring, they're going to scroll. So it's like I have to switch the angle and switch this. So that's like my day to day is ideas, make the content as digestible and helpful as possible, and then post it and see what happens. Now that you're on this uh, tipping point I feel like of getting the mastery piece of creating the content that's digestible and like makes people actually want to consume it what are you doing now from a back-end standpoint of that is this is this direct are you directing them towards like something off of Instagram are you like getting in the DMs like what is something that you're doing that's maybe leading to the other stuff that you're doing from engaging with them books whatever so as far as book sales it's more about like one-on-one -on -one interactions, that is huge. It's like I go live and I have, it's really like my friends. So I go live and there's probably 150 people who will watch all the way through. And that group of people are like, that's like my, you know, that's my friend group that I go to talk to every day. And then the people who pop in and out, they'll see the way that my friends are talking about the book and then they'll be like, oh, I should buy it too. And it really goes to show that the power of word of mouth is much stronger than the power of just like sheer numbers because my reels on the other hand are totally different than my live streams. My reels get on average, if you take out the once or twice a month, like 10 million plus views videos, if you take that out, it's like 200 K views per video, but those don't sell as many books as the, 30k viewer live stream that gets posted to my feed so it's like the back end side of things is like just connecting word of mouth that keeps the book sales going and then the numbers is what keeps the brand deals going so as the algorithm changes I see so many creators get discouraged and stop shooting content and that makes me so sad on one hand but excited on the other hand because it's like sweet that's like half the competition just got discouraged and stopped making videos totally. so now more people are going to watch mine so it's like every time the algorithm makes it harder to get views i end up getting more views because i'm like i just got to do better hmm. and maybe that mentality will bite me in 10 years when ai makes it to where everyone can shoot the perfect video but as of right now Every time the algorithm drops, I just view it as, all right, I got to do better. And then the videos get better and then more people view them. So it's like, 
that is what keeps the Brandale side of things going is that mentality. What I love about that mentality is I feel like it's a lot of carryover from what I've heard from David Goggins not that long ago about talking about how it's so easy to win now because like in those scenarios where like, yeah, let's say the algorithm twists or whatever the case might be, is that like most people quit. Yeah. But that's true for like everything. It's like the 75 hard that everybody does is like most people quit or mm-hmm. like whatever the habit or behavior or the thing that you're moving towards. Yeah, most people quit nowadays. So it's like, it's technically, that's kind of great because it's so easy to win now. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) When that's your competition. I mean, yeah, like, even with, yeah, like with content and just in business and life in general, I think so many people go on social media and then they see, oh, like I could buy this coin and make this amount of money. And then it doesn't work out, so they just give up. Mm-hmm. But the people who are like, effort is rewarded, and thinking strategically is rewarded. That mindset will never fail you. It's like the people who are trying to get lucky are always going to give up. The people who think that 75 hard is going to make them get to their goal weight and stay there, they're the people who year after year, you gain 20 pounds, you gain 20. And the reason that happens is, all right, Keto dieters do this a lot. People go on keto in hopes to lose 20 pounds for summer. And they kind of, they experience this like decrease in appetite. You know, they lose some weight. They drop all the the water weight on their body and they're like, sweet. So now I can go back to eating Oreos. But what happens every time you lose weight in a short period of time and then you go back to your old eating habits is you actually gain more than you lost. And when you do that repeatedly, you actually end up in a deeper hole than you started out in. And when you do that yearly, it's like, that's just a formula for just a failure that's really hard to overcome. Mm. So it's like having the opposite mentality. David Goggins, another quote, he's like, I could watch a piece of grass grow for months. And it's like just that slow progress of just super small things compounding is just so exciting to me because that's where the advantage is, is having that mindset. I've always had that same advantage, that slow, long play game. Nick Bear, do you know Nick Bear, BPN? I just watched one of his YouTube videos. Yeah, he's big guy, he big name here in town in general. He's a guy I've been trying to get on the show. I actually talked to him and he said he would come on the show. But um, one of the things that he said at a, the half marathon that I did was um, he's consistently he'd rather be consistently good than occasionally great Mm. and i totally adopt that philosophy in so many ways of like yeah consistently showing up and you will have moments of greatness yeah but strive for the consistency good not for like the occasional trending greatness that might someday luckily happen well i think that is greatness i think any winner is not someone who just like gets lucky it's someone who loses all the time And then that turns you into something that's like, that can't be beat. It's Mm. like, I can't lose. If everything goes to zero, I mean, if everything goes to zero, then maybe I will. But it's like, (laughs) if things are not working out, I'm going to use this to figure out what I've been doing wrong and learn something from it. And that, that is what greatness is. Greatness is not, oh, things are going good. You know, let me go to Cabo for the third time this month. It's like, I don't, I don't really take vacations. My fiance, 
loved to travel before she met me. And it's hard, like, it's hard for me to go on vacation because I just, I want to just wake up and make a video. Mm. And now with my daughter, that's like something we have to work on is I have to take breaks from like shooting videos and stuff. But it's like just showing up every day and just trying to get a little bit better. That is real greatness. Greatness is not something that you're born with. I feel like I'm sitting next to Mr. Beast, man. I have 10 rapid fire questions for you. It's whatever the first thing is that comes to mind. Okay. Best business advice. Do something positive for your business every day. What's your favorite part about being a content creator? Helping people. Mm. What's your best marketing advice? Don't be afraid of negative attention. Great one. When are you the most productive? When I'm in my routine. Who is your inspiration? My daughter. Oh, yeah. I can see that now. You said nine months? Yes. That's exciting, man. Tell me one secret about you or just something that just most people don't know about you. Uh, I am very difficult to live with because I'm so rigid about my routine. <laughs> I can I can probably associate with that. Uh, what would you change about yourself? I would be more adaptable to things that are inconveniences. Mm. What's your favorite app or resource that you're using right now? Chat GPT, but not for business. I use it to just like get my thoughts out and then I just go back and forth with it. And it's like, I'll be like, so I'll, I'll tell it what's on my mind and then it will, I'll be like, all right, um, respond to me in the style of this author. And then I'll say something else and I'll be like, okay, that was good, but emphasize I'm probably not making sense, but I just like... No, it totally makes sense. It sounds I, like a consultant. Yes. I use ChatGPT to just like bounce ideas around and then like get to the meat of what I really want to do. What a great idea. Yeah. It's like a sounding board. You can have a conversation with somebody that has really great answers. Yeah. Okay. I found a new use for ChatGPT. Weird. When were you the happiest? Probably right now, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's your favorite part about Austin? And you can't say the people. The trail, Lady Bird Lake. Are you a runner, by the way? Yeah. You are. So I'm not a good runner, but I love running. Like, I, I've i ran half marathons, or probably 11 miles is the most I've ran. But I've done that several times just because I'm just enjoying it. And it's like, let me just keep running. Like, why am I going to stop? So I've never ran competitively, mm. but just long distance running at like a 12 minute mile pace while listening to audiobooks has just always been something that is just like a very long meditation that feels really good to me. Yeah. Most people know that I used to hate running and now I've found myself in that similar place is like the mm. mental aspect of it is so much, it's so worth it in yeah. so many ways. So when you're ready to go on a run, let me know. Um, I have one last question before I ask that question though, I want to acknowledge you, man for leaning into this content creator world for always exploring unique curiosities from so many interesting angles of your life of growing up in Ohio and just like following unique quirky passions that people are like, what the hell are you doing? I'm sure at many points of your life for creating content for the mindset of just like wanting to help individual people, not to be famous or to go trending or anything like that, but just genuinely wanting to help people. And for being a father and Thank soon you. to be a husband. So I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure, man. Last question for you. Uh, before I ask you it, what's your plug? Where can people find you? 
I am Keto Snacks with a Z on Instagram, and my Facebook has weirdly started blowing up recently. I don't know why. I don't even know who uses Facebook, but I started, Gary V said, hey, Facebook reels are taking off. They are. Post. So they started taking off, so I guess there too. And then on TikTok, I finally have gotten away from the name Keto Snacks, and I like changed it to Iric Snacks mm. without the Z. But just in general, keto snacks with a Z is where you can find me. I had the same lesson learned from Facebook as well. I hate Facebook. And on top of the fact that people's comments are very angry on that platform. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's kind of a cesspool. Yeah. It's an angry place. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand it. But if you do, if you're into marketing, whitelisting your influencers on Facebook will perform very well. That's just a little marketing gym. Thanks for that. Last question. It's whatever really your best piece of advice is. And we can take the angle of it from a content creator standpoint. So let's say somebody else, they know they need to create content. They know there's value in content. They want to start doing more of it. They want to start like connecting with their audience, maybe on a deeper level. Or you could even give this advice to like the early you of like when you first started doing some of the content creation stuff. What's maybe the best piece of advice you'd give to the early you or anybody else in that situation? I've kind of talked about it throughout this podcast, but it's just make something every day, even if it's terrible, especially if it's terrible, (laughs) just get in front of the camera and don't make something where you just get into the, in front of the camera and say, happy Monday and post it, put some thought into it, but maybe dedicate 30 minutes. If you only have 10 minutes one day, 10 minutes, whatever it is, make something meaningful every day, even if it's garbage. Great advice. Love that. Appreciate you. Thanks for being on the show, brother. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, friend. Thanks for listening to the show. And if you have any feedback for me about the show or any other guests that you'd want to see in the show, definitely shoot me a message. I love engaging with my audience and figuring out how I can provide the best value possible to the people listening to this show. Before you go, I only have one ask of you, and that would be to check out my Three Tips Tuesday newsletter. It's three marketing tips every Tuesday specifically for the health and fitness entrepreneur to help them attract new leads. If you press the link in the description, it'll take you directly to the archive of all my previous newsletters, and you can decide for yourself if it's something for you. If you end up finding it helpful, you can just sign up for the newsletter and you'll get it in your inbox every Tuesday. Thanks again and keep hustling my friends.